But first, let's talk about the Chicago Reader. The Alt Weekly recently celebrated its 50th anniversary, but its future, that's now in jeopardy. Last year, the Reader was set to become a nonprofit, but its board and co-owner, Leonard Goodman, are holding up that plan. The turn of events came after Goodman published a column in the paper about his hesitation to vaccinate his daughter against COVID-19. That was met with backlash by journalists on staff, and an independent fact check showed the piece contained inaccuracies. Goodman called that censorship. Reader staff say it's accountability. Now, due to the impasse, the entire operation is running out of cash. Joining us to discuss is Philip Montoro, music editor and unit chair of the Reader's Editorial Union. Hi, Philip. Hello. And Katie Prout, a staff writer and member of the union's bargaining team. Hi, Katie. Welcome to Reset. Thank you so much for having us. It's a pleasure. I'll start with you, Philip. Did you see this coming? Did I see it coming? Uh, No, not at all. The uh, column that caused this entire crisis actually passed through the hands of very few people. Len tends to work directly with uh, management and not with the rest of the staff. Mm -hmm. So we couldn't even have guessed that it was going to happen days before it was going to happen, much less three years ago when Len came on as co-owner. Well, how did you feel about the plan to, to have the reader become a nonprofit? Well, it's about the only chance we've got, <laughs> to be honest. The for-profit company hasn't been viable in, in some years. In fact, that's something that Len has done for us. He helped support the for-profit company when it wasn't operating in the black. The transition to the nonprofit was, in fact, to help us become self-sufficient to become a viable entity for the first time in quite a few years. So it was very exciting to everyone. It's been uh, the first path to growth that I've seen at the reader in, gosh, probably since 2007. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned the the controversy in, in the intro, and I do want to note that we did reach out to reader co-owner Len Goodman, but we did not hear back in time for this broadcast. Um, so, Philip, tell us more on your take on that column and what happened after it was published? Oh, well, (laughs) I wasn't privy to very much of that. And there's quite a bit of the documentation produced during that process is still under seal. So perhaps a more specific question would help. (laughs) Well, let me bring Katie into the conversation. Can you help us understand the hashtag that's being used on Twitter right now? Hashtag free the reader. Absolutely. Um, So a little context, uh, too, for me. Um, I joined the Reader uh, November 1st, so I've only been staff here for a few months. And there's a few of us, actually. uh, Even during the pandemic, the Reader has shown uh, signs of growth, which is incredible. We've been hiring more editorial staff, or at least we were until we came to this impasse, as well as like sales and other positions that would be necessary for transitioning to nonprofit self-sufficiency. Um, free the reader, for me, means freeing us from the control of one man, uh, Len Goodman, uh, who is determined to have an outsized editorial say in all of our work, despite me to have interacted little with it and having a limited grasp on journalism ethics himself. Um, it also means freeing the staff uh, from the strain of having to think about this every single day. This has been uh, pretty much happening since I joined. Mm -hmm. All of my 
uh, desire to for long form projects, uh, uh, different kinds of reporting, building up sources. It's really hard to think about doing the kind of meaningful, engaging, and original work that the reader does um, when we're scared if in the next couple of weeks we might not have jobs. Uh, so freeing us from his control, but also freeing us from the worry and the fear that um, our own positions will no longer exist in this outlet that is beloved by the city. Um, all of the city mm-hmm. uh, won't be here anymore. Yeah. So this um, this transition to nonprofit, you were looking forward to that? Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, uh, there has been a rise in nonprofit newsrooms we've seen over the last few years um, as revenue has gone down with sales uh, all over the country. And it's an old, old song with, um, you know, newsrooms and journalism that I don't have to thing here. Um, But one of the things that excites me about it is that um, we would be able to no longer have to depend on one or two major individual donors, right? Um, And the potential outsized way they can have um, even the ones with the best intentions or like deep belief in what they're doing. uh, That's just, it's not a tenable uh, situation to be in. And one of the things that makes me really proud to work at the Chicago Reader is that our paper is free. Our news and information is free. There's no paywall. And uh, this means that, for example, my beat, um, I often write about addiction and people who are experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are readers all downtown in Chicago who live outside who read the reader. It's where they get their news. It's where they get the information. And that back and forth is how I shape my stories. And, um, being able to not have to rely on worry about like where we're going to get our next you know dollar or if that dollar is going to be taken away on a whim um, means that we can continue providing that free essential news coverage to all of Chicago, both online and you know we print twice you know yeah. biweekly. It's pretty cool. And Katie, you you say that you've heard that money to fund payroll could run out as soon as tomorrow. Yeah, you know we've there's the date has been. Um, some, the date is a question mark for a few reasons, and uh, I know Phil can help jump in there in a second, too. But basically, uh, we're kind of floating on gas right now, is my understanding. Um, you know, we have payroll guaranteed up until this week, um, and then after that, uh, it looks like we might still be getting some in from sales, and then um, one of our our other co-owner, Elsie um, Higginbottom, has generously offered to cover payroll and expenses for a little while longer, but it is unclear how long that would last. And it once again puts us back kind of in the same position of having to rely on the generosity of one individual donor. Um, however, again, like I'm great, I have a lot of gratitude that that's a possibility at all, but that mm-hmm. expends sort of the, you know, the deadline, the chopping block by a few weeks maybe a month. Um, but this is, to my understanding, our last guaranteed one. But Philip, yeah, if you want to correct me or offer any insight. Yeah, Philip, what, what are your what are your thoughts on, on this uh, this state of limbo you folks are in? Well, I'd like to second Katie to say that, yeah, this has been very draining. It's been an exhausting situation. It's It's just an unconscionable position for someone with lends resources to put a bunch of underpaid journalists. <laughs> and uh, the the really aggravating thing is that we have a viable business model that's one signature away. Mm. You know, the, the 
number of revenue streams that are open to us as a nonprofit would it would make all the difference in the world. We have a, a racial justice uh, reading room and reporting hub. I probably got the name of that wrong. It has so many words in it, but that's about, I think, 300 grand in grant funding, much of which we would never have gotten if we were not already on this path to be a nonprofit. Right. And some of which may end up expiring and certainly can't be renewed unless we go through with that transition. And we have several people's jobs are entirely funded by grants at this point. Those jobs disappear if we can't complete the transition to nonprofit status. So has this led to people leaving the reader? It's hard to know for sure. Um, since this crisis began, we, we have lost our social justice reporter, Adam Rhodes. I suspect it was a factor. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They mentioned as much on Twitter. Um, I will say that it's, you know, after years of freelancing, I am finally at a paper that I have looked up to and read since I was a teenager. And I'm so, so glad to be here. And I want the possibility of digging in. But at the same time, when you have this uncertainty with your job and your health insurance is tied into your job, as is your rent, as is any kind of planning for a future, for a family, it's, you know, you want to commit yourself to being here, but there is a voice that says, should I be looking elsewhere? Do I need to jump ship? Um, right now, I'm too committed to fighting this fight and to staying here and pursuing the projects and stories and learning with my my incredible coworkers, like I want to be here. We shouldn't have to consider leaving. Um, but I know that it is a concern. And the longer this goes on, people might have to start taking care of themselves in different ways, you know? This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. And if you are just tuning in, we're talking about the future of the Chicago Reader, which appears to be in jeopardy. Our guests are Katie Prout from the union's bargaining team and Philip Montoro, unit chair of the Reader's Editorial Union. Um, Philip, in your opinion, what would the city lose if the Reader just ceased to exist? Well, I think the Reader is a pretty irreplaceable voice in a lot of ways, not just because of its history, but because of some of the growth we've undergone just in the past few years. The paper is doing more to reach out to the entirety of Chicago now than it did in its early decades, to distribute on the south and west sides and to hire a more diverse staff. The staff is presently vastly more diverse than it has been at any point in my 26 years of the paper. And that's, that's something that very much colors the coverage that we do. Yeah. Which is, it remains fiercely independent and it's community driven. It speaks to and about ordinary people in Chicago. I'm the music editor at the paper and that's my, that's my comfort zone discussing that sort of thing. And what we like to do in my department is to talk about people who aren't famous yet, yeah. to whom perhaps getting famous isn't a priority. You know, people who are community builders, who are scene builders, who are connectors, who are doing work on the ground and making Chicago such a great city to live in. You know, it's not, uh, it's not marquee names. 
it isn't celebrity focused. It's about what is it like to live here? It's been growing in the past few years. There's been a, a publisher and editor in chief. Um, you were hiring new journalists. And after all those years of mismanagement, Philip, how did it feel to see the paper flourishing? Well, as one of a handful of staffers who's been through the whole ride from the late 90s heyday all the way through today, um, it honestly felt so good I could barely believe it was happening. I mean, just the fact that we have a publisher and an editor-in-chief at the same time. It's been nearly a, nearly a decade, I think, since that's happened. <laughs> and yeah, it is very difficult Mm-hmm. to see that threatened, especially for really such misguided and inconsequential reasons. So, Katie, at this point, what are your demands? Oh, man. <laughs> what are our demands? Um, I want Len to, to sign the papers. I want him to approve of this sale and have it go through. Um, that was That's something that I would say for all of us, speaking for myself, I'd like to see that be no strings attached. It feels like his um, resolutions or his desires um, to sort of maintain control of the board, um, even as it transitions, uh, makes me nervous. Um, but yeah, I want full stop any kind of conversation that uh, Lynn Goodman wants to have uh, about the column, um, about editorial practice about the reader's future can happen once we know that the reader's future is, in fact, secure. Um, I need that. We all do. Yeah, we, can't, we can't have that kind of discussion with someone who's actively threatening our own identity. I, I, Sorry, what are you saying, Philip? Oh, <laughs> I said we can't have the kind of discussion that Katie proposes with someone who's actively threatening all of our jobs. Yeah. What what are Len Goods uh, what are Len Goodman's demands, Philip? Can you lay that out for us? Well, as I, I'm going to have to summarize. Okay. Uh, obviously, Len would be the person to answer this question, but to the best of my understanding, there is language in the bylaws that uh, he and his representatives on the board want uh, addressing uh, the freedom of speech and. Uh, an aversion to censorship. I'm I'm pretty sure all that material was already in the bylaws in some form or another. Uh, they've also asked that publisher Tracy Bame resign from certain positions at the nonprofit, okay. which I believe she has offered to do. In, in fact, most of the the demands that Goodman and his his uh, representatives on the board have made, we have agreed to to the extent that we can. The question of board members is a different one. Um, That demand, as I understand it, isn't for control of the board, but it is for control of seats on the board. And we cannot agree to that because of representations we've already made to the IRS in order to secure our nonprofit filing status. That is, we pretty much promised that this nonprofit was not going to be under the control of the for-profit owners, that it would not provide benefits to the owners of the for-profit company. Mm-hmm. So we can't back out of that now by acceding to that demand. It would jeopardize our filing status. And that's that's what this is all about, that we need to be a nonprofit in order to survive. Where can people find out more? Oh, I'm going to hand that to Katie. We are online. <laughs> 
Um, you can follow us at uh, reader underscore union on Twitter, um, Instagram, Facebook, and Medium. We're Chicago Reader Union. And you can absolutely come to our rally this Thursday at 11 a.m. on Lakeshore in Wellington. Uh, we will be there um, rallying and protesting uh, in front of Len Goodman's home um, to free the reader. We would love to see the community come out and show support. It is, it's a very nice home, and there is a park right across the street in case we get an overflow crowd. So no <laughs> worries, everybody. That's uh, Katie Prout and Philip Montoro from the Chicago Reader. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.